Good evening to everyone. Welcome. Thank you for coming. So, are there any questions today? Palananda <laughs> 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 wanted to do it first. That's a question. (laughs) (laughs) That's an imitation. Brief imitation, but long answer. (laughs) So I I will have to be brief, because actually I remember some years ago we made some seminars in Argentina. But it was like, like four meetings of two hours each. Because... So much is there to extract from this idea. No? So, Gaya Trimanta. Well, first of all, when we say Gaya Trimantra, that's generally some like abstract expression. Because when we receive what we call Gaya Trimantra, or sometimes the Buddha called second initiation. Strictly it's called Diksha. And in Diksha we receive not only one mantra, but many lines. And not all of those lines are Gayatri. Because for a mantra to be Gayatri, it has to possess certain structure, certain words, are there. Bidmahe, Dimahi, Prachodayat. So, there are many lines like this. We have Brahma Gayatri, Guru Gayatri, Gaur Gayatri, Kam Gayatri. But in between we have another lines, which are not called Gayatri, but are called Mantras. So we have Guru Mantra, Gaur Mantra and Gopal Mantra. So, I make this clear because sometimes we say Gayatri, but actually Gayatri refers to a specific type of, of mantra, Vedic mantra. So sometimes we may call all these lines Diksha mantras. Different mantras we receive in, at the moment of Diksha. Generally speaking, outside the, the, the circle of Vaishnavas, the word Gayatri generally is referred to what we call Brahma Gayatri. Ombur, Bhubhaswat, Sabitur, and so on. This is famous everywhere. You put Gayatri in YouTube, <laughs> and it will appear this particular mantra. So I'm making this clear because there are many ideas regarding the word Gayatri. So, the, the, the meaning of the word Gayatri, in brief words, Kanayati, Trayati, means song of uh, liberation, of redemption, deliverance. Some, there is one song called Song of Deliverance. Paul McCartney wrote that one. <laughs> That's not an acharya from our sampradaya. (laughs) 
But that's the meaning of Gayatri actually. Song of deliverance. Um, So, again, uh, if I have to say some words about Gayatri, there are many, as you say, and each one has a different meaning, connotation. The, the Brahma Gayatri, but sometimes is giving in, in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, sometimes it's not. Basically, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was the one who instituted the, the giving of Brahma Gayatri. But generally, before that, Gaudiya Vaishnavas were not giving that mantra. Because that mantra has a more general connotation general meaning and it's much related to to the idea of, of, of being a brahmana in society so more attached to the Barnasram consideration so since Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta wanted to establish this the devotees in, as, as a part of this Barnashram society because at that time there were so many considerations I'm a Brahmana, I'm a Kshatriya which is your duty in society and many people were, were saying I'm, I was born in a Brahman family Brahminican family, I'm a Brahmana but actually you are a Brahmana because you have the attributes of a Brahmana if the qualities of a Brahman are not there, you are something else. <laughs> so, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta wanted to institute this idea. You are born, you are Brahmana or Shatra or whatever by qualities, not by birth. And the Vaishnavas are the highest Brahmanas. Vaishnavism is above uh, Brahmanism. Because Barnashram Dharma has to do with this world. How to be a good citizen on earth. Or Vaishnavism is much above that. So, so he gave this Brahma Gayatri, like trying to say, Vaishnavas are also Brahmanas. And he gave to his devotees, his disciples, this what we call Upavita, Brahminical thread. Generally, Vaishnavs were not using Upavita before that, because the idea was Vaishnavism is beyond Barna Ashram. Now, if you look at the pictures of Gorkishor Das Babaji, Bhakti Nontakur, Jagannath Das Babaji, all of them were not using. <laughs> They were not using this. That was not the custom in the Vaishnava society. Perfectly short tired. <laughs> so that was not the custom. But Prabhupada Siddhanta brought the, the Upavita back. <laughs> and he put that to his disciples. Like trying to say, Vaishnavas are the highest Brahmanas. So he gave this mantra, 
which generally most people in, uh, interprets that it in a more impersonal way. Even they think this is a prayer to Surya, to the sun. Some others say no, actually it's speaking about light, about Brahman. But well, we are very fortunate in our line that we receive a very, a very special, charming uh, uh, purport explanation to this Rama Gayatri, which was given by Srila Bhaktira Kaksya Dev Goswami Maharaj. It's called Gayatri Mantra Artha Deepika, a commentary he wrote on the Brahma Gayatri. I cannot go now in detail with that. You can find it in, 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 the, in his books. But basically what he says there, one word in that mantra is bargo. Bargo, which is translated as light. So he starts to explain and develop the idea that actually that light is not the light of the sun, not Surya. <laughs> It's not the spiritual effulgence that comes from Bhagavan. So not Brahman. But it, that light speaks about Swarup Shakti. The internal energy of Krishna. Who is personified in the form of Srimati Radharani. So he starts to explain how all that mantra is glorifying the position of Sri Radha. So he said, from the very beginning of all these different lines, our highest goal is being presented. The ultimate reach of Mahaprabhu's gift is given. As we spoke yesterday a little bit, this concept of Radha Dasyan. But I, I can go now in detail that direction, that's other topic. So after this first line, well, you have you have the all the other different lines, Guru Mantra and Guru Gayatri. No? So first you have the general goal of our tradition. So after that you will ask, well, how to attain that goal? So first, first you have to go to the agency of Sri Guru. So there you have different, these two lines are, first you surrender to Sri Guru and Guru Mantra. And the second one, you are invited to know Sri Guru Dev. Bitmahe means try to understand who is Sri Guru Dev. Dimahi means try to meditate in his inner bliss regarding Krishna. And pray so he can inspire you so you can do that forever so these three divisions of Bidmahe uh, Dimahi and Prachodaya also represent what we call Sambanda, Abhideya, Prayojan theory, practice, result let's say first Theory, try to know who is Gurudev. 
try to educate yourself in what we call Guru Tattva. The truth about Sri Guru. Because it's a very complex Tattva. Not easy to, to understand. Because we may... He's, he's a devotee of Krishna, but at the same time the scriptures say he's Krishna. So how to properly understand that? And there is only, not only one Guru, Diksha Guru. There are many Gurus, Siksha Gurus. So you have to know how to properly accommodate all that. <laughs> so I am Guru Devaya Bidmahe means try to know about all that. And when you are properly educated on that, Krishnanandaya Dimahi, you can meditate and serve Gurudev regarding his inner desires. Internal. Well, there are many levels of internal desires. Ah. Yeah. Instructions. Gurudev gives an instruction, that's his desire. But, so in the beginning, the disciple will be more connected to, okay, Gurudev, tell me what to do, and I will do. So Gurudev will say, okay, go and clean the bathroom, whatever. <laughs> or cook every day. Or distribute books, or whatever other services. Do this. So in the beginning, we may conceive the relationship like this. Okay, Gurudev told me to do this, I am doing. And it's okay. Great. But after some time, the relationship between the two should develop. So you start to know the person. And Sri Guru starts to know you more. So you start to discover, oh, there are so many things in, in his heart. <laughs> so many realizations, insights, so many feelings, so many inner desires he has. So you start to identify with that. How can I, how can I please that? Not only to, to, to follow what he told me to, to do, but to follow the feeling that is in his heart. Of course, this is a gradual process. <laughs> this won't come from morning to night. It may take years, lifetimes, no problem. <laughs> so, and eventually, uh, Prachodayad means, oh, let, let Gurudev inspire me so I may eternally remain in that position of an eternal servant of Him. Because be, the link with the Guru is eternal. So, for example, it is explained that if, if you in this lifetime obtain per, prema bhakti, hopefully, <laughs> or whatever, it has to come, no problem, no rushing, uh, you will go, as we spoke the other day, this, the soul will enter Golok Vrindavan in one direction, but it will also enter Nitya Navadvip, the eternal abode of Mahaprabhu in the spiritual world. And there one will be serving Mahaprabhu and his associates under the guidance of Sri Guru. Sri Guru will have one ashram there and you will be living in that ashram and serving him and, and Mahaprabhu. It's 
All this had been described by Samacharis. So my point is, our connection with Sri Guru is eternal. So again, I can explain much more, but many other lines of the Diksha Mantras remaining there. <laughs> so Guru Mantra and Guru Gayatri are there. So we, we pray for the proper Sambandha, Videya and Prayojan in relation to Sri Guru. Sri Guru also, one manifestation of Sri Guru is Nityananda Prabhu. So, before approaching Sri Chaitanya, before approaching Mahaprabhu, we should go through the agency of Nityananda. Sri Guru. It is said that once Raghunath Das Goswami, he wanted to, to, to join Mahaprabhu. He was very insisting about that. But he was living, he was coming from a very wealthy family. And their parents didn't want him to join Mahaprabhu. They were devotees. But Raghunath Das was so crazy about joining Mahaprabhu. <laughs> so the parents said, please son, do not be so crazy. You can be a devotee. But you can stay at home. You can get married. You can continue with the family business. And chant Hare Krishna and be happy. <laughs> but for Raghunath Das, that was very little. He had a very big spirit of detachment. Actually, between the six Goswamis, he was the most extreme in his renunciation. So he wanted to join Mahaprabhu. And he escaped from his house many times. And their parents got him in the way and brought him back to the house. <laughs> so for Raghunath Das, his house was like a jail. <laughs> and he tried, he escaped so many times. Finally, one day, his mother uh, tells his father, Raghunath's mother tells his father, maybe we should, we should tie our son with the, with the rope. <laughs> Some type of Damodar Lila there. <laughs> and his father said, but what will, do, what will a rope do to him? He has already been detached from wealth, fame, position. So, a rope. <laughs> no? So eventually, the point is, eventually Raghunath Das, before joining Mahaprabhu, he heard about Onityananda Prabhu is near here. So he escaped to have his darshan there. At one place called Panihati. Panihati. So when he arrived there, Nityananda was there with all his associates. And Nityananda started to call Raghunath. He started to shout like Abadut, like a crazy man. He said, oh, the thief has come. Has came. The thief, you thief, come here. No? So you are a thief, so I will chastise you, say Nityananda to Raghunath Das. Very fortunate to receive chastisement of Nityananda Prabhu. <laughs> so why, why he was calling Raghunath Das a thief? Because he was implying, you wanted to join Mahaprabhu, without coming through my agency first. Huh? And it's another say, I represent Guru. I'm Akanda Guru Tattva. 
the source of the principle of Sri Guru. So, how can you how can you think even about joining Mahaprabhu without going through the agency of Sri Guru? So, you acted like some sort of thief. So, now there is some chastisement for you. <laughs> so, now I order you <laughs> to... Op- to organize a big feast here. Uh, very interesting chastisement. <laughs> and you have to prepare this plain rice, you call, like chida dahi in Bengali, uh, with yogurt and like this. Uh, well, there's a big pastime, whole pastime that I won't enter into detail, that's too much. We celebrated that in Bulgaria some one month ago, three weeks ago, no? It was just the day. Chida dahi but the point is, uh, Nityananda also represents the Guru. So if you want to go to Gore, first you have to go through Nitai. So after reciting this Guru Mantra, Guru Gayatri, connected also to Nityananda, we, we arrive to Gore Mantra and Gore Gayatri. So first Gore Mantra, we offer our Pranam. Namaha and Klingoraya Namaha. So Namaha is a very important word. I will explain briefly. <laughs> because we repeat Namaha, you go to India or to any Indian shop, Namaste. <laughs> but yes, but what's the meaning? No? Namaskar, all the same, same root. So Nama. Na means no, not. And ma means me. So it means nama means not me. You. When you are greeting someone, I mean you will say some. You will say that to someone. So if you see someone, say namaha or namaste. Te means to you. So namaste, not me, you. <laughs> so basically means I am not the center. I am not coming here to respect my fault, but to you. And when we apply that idea to Guru, Gauranga, it's not just a greeting. <laughs> it's, I fully surrender unto you. My life does not belong to me anymore. You are the owners of my life. No? I am your property. So, you can do with me what, as, as, as you consider. All that is implying this idea of Namaha. Surrender, basically. Saranagati. That's a very important word, Saranagati. That's the very first thing before approaching a great personality. Or actually, that's the approaching. <laughs> in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says in chapter 4, famous verse, Tadbidi pranipatena pariprasnena sivaya padekyanti te jnanam jnaninas tattva he speaks about the importance of the Guru there. So he mentions three stages in the relationship with Guru. Pranipad, Pariprasna and Seva. Which means surrender, humility or, or humble inquiry, questions. We spoke about the other day. And Sevaya, sev- service. Interestingly, the word service comes at the end. <laughs> Sometimes we think, I will, be, I will do service from the very beginning. But for, for it to be real seva, some other things have to be 
surrender. Surrender, humility. Because if there is no surrender on humility, which service are you offering? <laughs> if you are serving with arrogance, that's not seva. If we are serving without saranagati, there is no real service. Some external service may be there, but internally there is some, some other motivation may be there. So the first word, pranipat, means surrender to Sri Guru. <coughs> Very long topic to speak about surrender. <laughs> but Srila Prabhupada, interestingly, he translates the word surrender as approach to Guru. So I, I always like very much that. He, instead of putting surrender to the Guru, he put get close to the Guru, approach the Guru. So he tried to make the two words are synonymous. How do we approach the Guru? Actually, surrendering to the Guru. As, as, as much as you are surrendered, you are close to Guru Dev. And if you are not surrendered, big distance is there. No matter if you are in all the pictures physically next to him, that's not real proximity. For us, proximity has to do with submitting ourselves, surrender. Once Srila Siddhar Maharaj gave the example, he said, in the body of the sadhu, so many uh, bacteria, you say in English? Bacteria and other elements are there. They are so closely, intimately associating with him. <laughs> but they are taking energy from him. So we, we won't say, oh, they are so close to him. They are close in an external way. But the attitude is, they are taking energy for themselves. So similarly, there are some so-called disciples that also may be like that. Very close physically, but with some separate agenda, separate purpose. And some other disciples can be totally surrendered and may have never seen even their Guru Dev. We have here one example above my head here. He was never physically speaking with Prabhupada. Not even one minute. But he was always with Prabhupada. <laughs> he become uh, a letter in letter. Yeah, yeah. In the distance he received initiation. <laughs> of course, this is an extreme example. No? In the middle we have so many varieties also. But well, my point is Namaha, the meaning of Namaha. No? So, Gaur Mantra, we offer Pranam to Mahaprabhu and Gaur Gayatri. We again invoke these three principles of Vidmahe, Adimahi, Prachodayat. Let's try to know about Mahaprabhu, who he is, what's his real identity, what's behind the descent of Krishna's Mahaprabhu. That's very deep. Hmm? Later, let's try to engage ourselves in, in serving him. Interestingly, this verse says, Krim Chaitanyaya Vidmahe. So it invokes the name Chaitanya. Chaitanya is the name of Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi. And the, later two, the next two names are not names of Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi. Vishvambar Gaur. 
So why, why first Chaitanya is invoked there? <laughs> because as we said yeah, the other day, we do not worship Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi in the spiritual world. In the, there is never Mahaprabhu in the altar with the danda, shaved head. Because we worship, we want to enter into this Nityanabhadvip where Mahaprabhu is, Nimai. He's at home with Sachi, Vishnu Priya. He never leaves Nadia. That only happens here on earth, in the earthly pastime. The same way that Krishna lives in Vrindavan here, not in Golok Vrindavan. <clears throat> but this mantra says, try to know Sri Chaitanya. <laughs> Why? Because the section where Mahaprabhu accepts sannyasi, this is called Acharya Lila. When Krishna acts as a Acharya. And it's very important for us. This is the Madhya Lila of Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is the longest section of the book, double than, than the Adi and the Antya Lila. And there Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, <laughs> he preaches so much, he travels, he's, he converts Sarvabhoma, Bhattacharya, no? he preaches to Rupa Goswami, to Sanatana Goswami, he talks with Ramananda Roy. He sings and dances in Rathayatra in Puri, converting so many souls to Vaishnavism. So it, it's a very instructive section of the Lila. There is a lot of Siksha there. So it's very important for us. So because of that, this mantra said, try to obtain this Sambanda, this fair part from Sri Chaitanya, from Mahaprabhu in that period as a sannyasi. And if you do that properly, you will be able to serve him in his form as Vishwambar. Vishwambar is his birth name. His, that's his eternal name in Navadvi. The Navadvi the, the, the Basis, the residents of Navadvi, they do not like to call Mahaprabhu Sri Krishna Chaitanya. It's like... Do you understand? It's that that makes no 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 sense because they want him back. No? So if, if, if when Mahaprabhu went out of Navadvipa sannyasi to Puri, if you go to Navadip and start to speak to Sachi and say, "Oh, and Sri Krishna Chaitanya did that," Sachi will look at you like. I don't like that name too much, so much. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful what's that sannyasi and that lila, but we have to understand the feelings of the different devotees. So, in this Gorgayatri, we pray to be educated by the sannyas lila of Mahaprabhu, so we can enter into the eternal Navadvip as and pray so he may inspire us to serve him there forever. And at last but not least, we have the Kupal Mantra and Kam Gayatri. So, brief words. From Gaur Lila, we go to Krishna Lila. 
that's also a sequence. Eh? Try to understand there is a sequence in all these mantras. Sequence, yeah? Like a gradual presentation, no? I, I don't know. Understand the idea? Like in the different lines of the gadget, there is like some gradual presentation of different, on different levels of things. No? Starting from Guru, Nityananda, Goranga, Krishna Lila. Okay, okay. I continue. No problem, no problem. No problem, no problem. So, no? because this, this, this point is very important also for us. No? If we want to enter Vrindavan, we, we have first to enter into Navadu. If we, go to, if we want to go to Krishna Lila, first we have to go to Gaur Lila. And now we are in Gaur Lila. Because but we, this is an extension of the Sankirtan Lila of Mahaprabhu. By the grace of the Parampara, the Sankirtan Lila and the Gaur Lila is still coming to us. 500 years later than Mahaprabhu's appearance. So we shouldn't lament saying, Oh, Mahaprabhu appeared 500 years ago. I almost meet him. Yeah, yeah. You, you have the chance now to meet him. <laughs> Sankirtan Lila is going on. So, this is what it says. Yata yata gora padara bindam bindeta bhaktim kritapunya rasi tato tato sarpati hridya kasna radapadam boja sambudam rasi. Means, as much as you go deep into Gaur Lila, as much as you start to serve with your, all your heart the lotus feet of Mahaprabhu, you will find yourself immersed in the ocean of the service to Sri Radha. So, one current takes you to the other, if you will. So again, all these points are require long developing. <laughs> each one of the points I'm mentioning for each line. And because of this I made like four classes some years ago about this Gayatri stuff. <laughs> but I'm being just briefly so we can answer some other questions. So, Gopal Mantra means we, we have, by the grace of Gorlila, we have entered Vrindavan. And there we have three names of Krishna in this Gopal Mantra. That also represents three levels of, three types of connection with Him. Hmm? Mainly connected to what we call das, Dasya, uh, Sakya, and Madhurya. Krishna, Govinda, Gopi Janavala. So, some ascending conception is there. So, according to one's own inclination, Eventually, <laughs> when that's there, one will feel some particular attraction to one, so one certain name. Yeah, according to one's own uh, future affinity, when when one advances in the practice, inclination, taste, 
Taste. Oder den Geschmack oder die Präferenzen. Vorliegen. Vorliegen. So as much as one advances in the practice, one will feel some specific inclination, taste, for one type of relationship with Krishna. This should not be imitated, but it will come gradually with the cleaning of the heart, with very serious practice, and with good association. So, when that stage comes, the devotee will uh, feel attracted to certain names of Krishna, which are related to the relation he wants to have or she wants to have with him. No? For example, for the devotees in, in Batsalya Rasa, they will have some names for Krishna as a baby, as a child. They won't call him you know, the Radhanath, the Lord of Sri Radha. No, that's Yashoda no? Nandan, Nanda Nandan, a baby. Gopal. His friends will, will call him with other names. And Krishna's lovers will call him with other names. That's the same what happens in this world. <laughs> Maybe your friends have some special nickname for you. <laughs> your mother also. And your lover also some secret name there. So, there are different names of God. And as we said yesterday, each name speaks of different qualities in God. So when the devotees feel attracted to certain particular qualities of Krishna, they will invoke these names. So this Gopal Mantra has to do a little bit with this idea. And the, 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 the last one, Kam Gayatri, that's really very confidential mantra. So actually, what Srila Siddhar Maharaj explained in, in the Brahma Gayatri, as I told you, this is fully expressed in this Kam Gayatri. So this, is, this mantra is mainly connected to Madhurya Rasa, calling Krishna's Cupid, Cupid, uh, the one who has arrows of flowers. Uh, this is a symbolic way of speaking about uh, loving exchange. Uh, well, trying to... The devotee there is praying to really... to properly know <laughs> how Krishna is Cupid. That's very important. Because you can make a mistake and take, and take all all of the romantic lilas of Krishna as something mundane. So when you ask Klim Kamadevai Abid Mahe, you are asking, please, I want to be properly educated as, as to how Krishna is Cupid, in which sense he is the Cupid. Not a mundane Cupid, a transcendental one. No? And like this, the, the other ideas. No? So I may serve him in his loving affairs, and that may continue forever.
Again, this is a very high aspiration. <laughs> and we sometimes may be singing, reciting that, and maybe we don't feel yet too much attracted. It can happen, no problem. <laughs> like when you recite Sikshastakam, no, every verse starts to go higher and higher. In the beginning, Mahaprabhu says, Oh, holy name is so incredible. Hundred, thousands of names. Niya Sarva Sakti's all potency is there. No hard or fast rules for chanting. But, I'm so unfortunate, I have no attraction. He, he says that of the second verse, because Shikshastakam is representing all the stages in the practice of the devotee. So when you sing this verse, you may feel identified. <laughs> okay. But when he starts to go higher and higher, and starts to say, oh, no, tears come, come through me like waterfall. <laughs> and you say, no, that's not happening. <laughs> and in the separation of Govinda, the whole universe is void. And you say, no, I'm not feeling like that yet. I feel the universe so full of things you know, that are waiting for me that I can enjoy. So many things there waiting for me. And when I'm crying is when I, I cannot enjoy as I like. <laughs> so you understand, okay, that verse is not applicable yet. <laughs> but you should know I should get to that verse someday. I should learn how to cry for Krishna, basically. <laughs> so you have to begin at some point. So at that point, Mahaprabhu is crying for Krishna, waterfall of tears. But in the second verse that I quoted, he's also crying for Krishna, but a different type of crying. He said, I'm so unfortunate I don't have taste for the holy name. Some tears are there. But tears of repentance. You, you repent. I don't know. Repent. Okay, so those are those are one type of tears, but the other ones are tears become of ecstatic separation from the beloved. <laughs> so we should grow tear by tear. No, <laughs> from one level of tear we should get another level of, of crying, another level of crying. Asila <laughs> Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta said, we should learn to cry for Krishna. Srila Prabhupada himself, he said, hmm? this chanting is like the crying of, this ch of the child who lost his father from his sight. He said that, the famous definition he gives of the Mahamantra, crying. <laughs> Once also Gorgobinda Maharaj, he opened one temple in Orissa, and he said, here I'm opening a crying school. 
so we can learn how to properly cry for Krishna. Of course, this doesn't mean we are masochists. <laughs> you have to understand what do we mean by crying. So, so ours is the yoga of crying. <laughs> we have to start crying somewhere. Once someone asked Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, he said, we should cry for Krishna. But Sandhavati said, but what happens if I cannot cry for Krishna? He said, well, you should cry because you cannot cry for Krishna. (laughs) But somehow or other, you should cry. (laughs) Cry means something should be moving here. That's the point. Not an external show. Because you can go to a school of theater and learn and learn how to cry. That can be easy. You put some lemon here, and you are crying and crying. No? So, some proper crying internally. That's the idea. No? So, so well, that's the idea. No? When we recite these prayers, Gayatri, Mahamantra, all these songs... All of them are there to move something inside of us. So, and we may feel, oh, no? two things we can feel. And that's very important and nice. Today we were speaking about that in one class I was giving. We may say, on one side we will feel, as Mahaprabhu said, I'm so unfortunate, I'm so weak. I'm so vulnerable. Vulnerable? Uh, like this, no? I have no. I am not too. I have not not too much capacity to uh, to approach Krishna. Very easily distracted. Uh, okay, all this, all this, we should think, but not to the point. We should think about these things, but but not to the point of neurosis, because you can also you know, emphasize the things too much, <laughs> and you end depressed. <laughs> and that's not the idea, of course. So we should become paranoid about being humble, being tolerant, being surrendered, because I have seen that many times. Many devotees trying you know, have to be humble and extremely humble, extremely tolerant, extremely surrender. But they are trying to do more than one, what they can at the moment. And they drive become crazy. They become like out of balance, get frustrated, and sometimes leave the practice altogether. For that's not the idea. But the other extreme is not the idea, neither. No? No, no, I have no defects, I'm incredible, I'm perfect. No, that's not the idea. <laughs> so, <clears throat> we should be sincere about recognizing our shortcomings, our obstacles, our anathas. But we should also appreciate the mercy that has come to our lives. Yeah? because that's there and that mercy is more powerful than our anarthas 
And what an artist may be very powerful, <laughs> but compared to the grace of Mahaprabhu, compared to the grace of Sri Guru, Parampara, our anarthas are very small thing. Really, that's real. So that gives hope. No? And we need hope. I mean, we are in a school where we need hope, of course. But real hope, not something imagined. So, both things are there. On one side, I feel so fallen. I feel so undeserving that I do not deserve what I am receiving. But on the other side, by the grace of my guardians, I'm developing some, some, this, some uh, hope and some desire and some inspiration. I don't deserve that inspiration, but it's coming to me by the grace of them. So I, I cannot reject that, and I need that. As Guru Maharaj says always, no? help me, no, uh, yeah, help me when I need, when I deserve it the less, and because that's when I need it the most. So that's the concept of costless mercy. You don't deserve it, but but you need it. So in these ways, we can, we will be like, this is a very paradoxical situation internally. On one side, I feel so low, but at the same time, but at the same time, something so high came to my life. And I want it. Although I I do not deserve it. But that grace is so much powerful than my lowliness, loneliness, my lowness, that at the end the balance will be, oh, that mercy is giving me so much hope. And I will develop full faith that I will achieve Krishna. Not because of my capacity but because of the greatness of that mercy. That mercy is so big, so powerful, that gradually you will feel more and more confident. Yes, I'm in the path, and I want to remain here, and I know that if I, only if I commit upper up, I have the risk of getting out. But if not, Bhakti is so powerful, that gradually all my anarchists will disappear. Not because of my great capacity, because I have not, <laughs> but by Krishna Guru's grace. So gradually we should develop this song, this faith, firm faith, nishta, <clears throat> and more, even more. And then comes Ruchi. Huh? Then comes Ruchi. Then comes Ruchi. Yeah, then. First, <laughs> this big faith, big powerful hope. That's humility also. That's a very interesting form of humility. When you, when you express, I'm totally fixed, I have full faith in the path, and I know 
that Krishna's grace will take me to him. I'm sure. But you, de- you will say all that not from your ego. I will do it. No, the mercy will do it. <laughs> so first we have to go through this humility and through this appreciation of the mercy that has come. And then we will develop the proper hope and, and the proper faith. Some other topics, but connected to the idea. Okay. Fifteen minutes, sorry. I extended a little bit. <laughs> one question, one answer. <laughs> you Do we have time? Prayer for something else? How is, how is the translator there? Yes, okay. I'll answer something. can give some massage there to Prem. <laughs> so he. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so uh, open uh, question. You answer what you feel like. <laughs> okay. So um, I experience uh, Krishna consciousness as a. Uh, although. Bhakti is, some, is something with uh, devotion, something very feminine in my understanding. I experienced <coughs> on the outside Krishna consciousness as a very masculine movement with mm-hmm. a lot of uh, masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because our Gurudev is a, a doer. devotees or from before you no, mean? No, in the, in the outside. Okay, okay. Like uh, in my land at school, mm-hmm. all the children learn the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's a very masculine type. The meaning is mm-hmm. lost more and more. Mm-hmm. And we don't, actually we go out from school, we don't know anything about community, we don't know anything about being mothers and then you have to be one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yes, yeah, so, it's Sometimes for women who tries to remain woman, mm-hmm. it's difficult to follow. Mm. Some other cultures, other schools, spiritual schools, have more, maybe more... Um, Theory about this or more practices about um, living spirituality as a woman. Mm-hmm. 
It's in one sense very feminine. It makes a lot of emphasis in Shakti, energy, even above Shakti Mam, the energetic. Krishna is the energetic, but Srimati Radharani is the energy. And she predominates over Krishna. So, <laughs> so the the conclusion of our philosophy is, in that sense, pretty feminine. Of course, not, not mundane femininity. Okay, Prem? The conclusion of our philosophy is quite connected to the idea of the feminine. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm not speaking about a mundane sense of being feminine. So we have also to separate that. Because in the mundane realm, there is one thing called Purushabhav. Purushabhav means enjoying spirit, like predominator spirit, sometimes connected to the masculine. I will predominate, I will control. But this can be present both in the male and in female. It doesn't have to do to be a man or a woman. It has to be to the inner spirit. So, yes, even though internally the feminine element is there in a transcendental way, when we come here to the world (laughs) and and society and interactions between humans and people and us and them, sometimes we find this more patriarchal patriarchal, do you understand? patriarchal patriarchal tendency in, in the in Gaudiya Vaishnavism yeah? so now we, I, I do not consider this is something that was wrong but also I do not consider that it is something that should be like it was 5,000 years ago. <laughs> because you know, sometimes we may hear about, I don't know, how women uh, expressed themselves in society 5,000 years ago. And maybe for a modern woman, let's say, that may seem like like horrible but the point is that it's difficult for us <laughs> to understand a culture from thousands of years ago it's, it's almost impossible so many considerations are there 
that when you are really able to do that, let's suppose, you will find actually the women were not being mistreated there. They were properly in their position, everything. But times change, changes. Society changes, psychology changes, even our uh, physical constitution changes because of how the food is changing, <laughs> how the climate, the weather is changing. So many influences are there that affects our identity. And what to say after hundreds and thousands of years? So if now we say man or woman, that's a very different version version of man and woman from some time ago. So in that sense, I personally accept that uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavs, uh, for some times they have just like uh, carried with that old way of seeing woman. But there is some necessity for updating. Because time changes and and the role of woman changes, their psychology changes, and and there should be facilities, so facilities for a lady to be a lady, <laughs> because we have to be ladies and gentlemen. We we, we cannot only be spiritual souls. <laughs> I mean, you can repeat the the quote, but internally. You have some necessities there. We can say, we are not the body, we are spiritual soul. We are not woman, we are not man. So, don't be a maya, you are a soul. <laughs> but you can repeat that, but to practice, to real feel that, that's not so easy. <laughs> so first we should properly establish ourselves as human beings. Human beings means male, female, or some other varieties also. <laughs> there will be so many psychological and emotional needs there, even biological needs, sociological needs for a lady, for a mother, for a daughter, for a father, for a gay practitioner. <laughs> Each one will... No, requires some particular environment, um, approach, and support. So ideally, Krishna consciousness should provide that. I mean, we have all the tools for providing that. So that's up to to our leaders and to all of us to to, to implement on that. I'm sure we have not reached perfection in that. <laughs> but I also know of many sincere devotees who are really trying to to give women the place they deserve. But sometimes things change with time gradually. For example, when Srila Prabhupada came to Western countries, she started to initiate ladies 
and she and he gave them the the chance of serving, for example, in the altar, in the kitchen, cooking for the deities. At that time, you will never find that in India. <laughs> that was very shocking, really. Most people in India were saying, "Oh, this Swami is ru- ruining, ruining the whole tradition, no. diluting everything, distorting all things." No. Woman should be at home only taking care of the child. And some other ideas that I accept that for some time wrongly devotees have, ta- have had about women. Maybe there is no time now to go in detail to each of them. But these ideas women are more lusty than men, have more lust. Not true. Women are less intelligent than men. Not true. <laughs> and so many other things that even they, were, they are saved in some parts or were being saved by some acharyas. But also in a particular context and in particular... I mean, I have gone through all those quotes. I have given some seminars trying to make them clear. And really they are not saying that actually. <clears throat> For example, one example. Srila Prabhupada once says women are less intelligent than men so you say wow that doesn't sound nice but you go to the background of that statement and he said that because once in India before going to America one uh, like uh, scientific friend of Prabhupada he thought he was mistaken but he thought <laughs> that the woman's brain was smaller than the brain of the man so a Prabhupada and uh, he said that to Prabhupada so Prabhupada re- mentioned that when he came to western countries and for him to say the brain is smaller, he expresses that like saying less intelligent. But actually he didn't mean less intelligent. He did brain smaller, smaller brain. Sometimes Prabhupada didn't have all the vocabulary, local vocabulary for each thing. And I'm not criticizing Prabhupada with this. Please understand the point. <laughs> but interestingly... Uh, when Prabhupada said, no, I'm saying this because one friend of mine told me about the smaller brain. They said, no, no, the woman brain is not smaller. He said, oh, okay. So I changed my view and I stopped saying that, he said. And immediately he changed his mind. So it's not that he had that idea and he was emphasizing that. He just said, heard something repeated in his vocabulary. No? But when he knew it's not like that, he adjusted. <laughs> and with his example, he showed how much he loved his female disciples. Once he was speaking about Jamuna Devi, one of his main principal disciples, lady disciples. Yeah. So he said, he, she was walking there serving, and Prabhupada pointed at her, speaking to some other devotees. So he said to the Buddhist, 
she's ready to give her life for me. He said, and I'm ready to give my life for her. And we know there were not only words. So much sacrifice was there. So in the same way we can extend this idea hmm, to our Guru Maharaj, giving so much place to ladies in different services. And some other Vaishnavas also, trying to, to promote the proper expression of uh, one's own nature. Nature. Krishna says in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, nature is very strong. Generally, you cannot go against your nature. <laughs> try to establish in your nature, and from there, try to transcend. So, if you are a lady, no problem. But I, I, I recognize that there are much work to do in the future about uh, about um, facilitating no? facilitating spaces, projects, engagements, uh, a certain association, guidance, instruction. I know that something there is something going on about it. We are not in zero. I read some nice books about that. I know some nice female senior devotees who know now in ISKCON, for example, is this really like they're asking, please let ladies be gurus also. Because in ISKCON, still now they have this idea, only men. But that's totally contradictory to their philosophy. I mean, a guru is guru because of his spiritual realization, <laughs> not because of being man or woman. <laughs> if you are guru, you are already beyond man or woman. <laughs> no. So there are some, no, some awakening of these types of awareness. This awareness of we need more hmm? consideration to not only to the ladies' necessities, of course, to that, but generally to the human side of the devotees. Because sometimes that's a little bit neglected. And we speak too much about transcending. <laughs> but sometimes when we try to transcend, we end being uh, neglectful, indifferent, uh, evasive. This, we are... And we, have, we may have some real necessities as humans, and we are just like, not like, how do you say, re, no, rep, repressing. Repress, thanks so much, that's the word. Huh? So sometimes, in the name of transcendence, we repress so many things, but with time, all that will appear. <laughs> so it's important to, to first learn to be proper. I, I always say this. First, try to be a devotional human being. And after that, you try to be a devotional superhero. <laughs> totally transcendental and pure. And that's nice. But first, we are here. We have a mind, emotions. and Because I also accept that for many years, some preaching was there like 
Maya, Krishna. Very black and white. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing anyone here. I'm just analyzing how certain practitioners under, conceive the, the practice and the preaching. So I've heard many devotees sometimes speaking about in terms of black and white. You are a devotee or you are a karmi? No middle point. <laughs> if you are a devotee, already saved. On, you are on the other side. I think you are a boss, no? Sorry? I think you are both. Sometimes you are a devotee and sometimes you are a kami. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yoga, both yoga, tiaga. Like, I mean, like we, we are devotees on a certain level by the grace, as I said before. Yeah. But still some, let's say, karmi side <laughs> is there of some degree. So we are living together with these two parts. We are sadakas. Sadaka means... We are not conditioned soul, and we are not Siddha, a perfected being. We are a project of devotee. <laughs> so one, one foot here, one foot there. So we should understand that things are not black and white. Because between black and white, you have so many varieties of gray. <laughs> So, it's not that you are a demon or you are a saint. <laughs> there is some gradation there. It's not you are in Maya or you are in Krishna. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand there are gradations in everything. So we should try to become, be more flexible in our structures and the way we approach Bhakti, Krishna consciousness. So the same with ladies, the same with I don't know. Some devotee may come and say, Maharaj, I have this psychic problem. So <laughs> if I am very much like square-minded, narrow-minded, I would say, no problem. Chant Hare Krishna and everything will be solved. And the devotee will say, okay, I'll try. But of course, Holy name has all potencies. But maybe I'm, I don't have the capacity of reaching that point in the holy name. <laughs> so I may need some other things. <laughs> you follow? So maybe some devotee may need to go to a psychiatric clinic. Or psychologist maybe. Or maybe psychiatrist. <laughs> in order to be more balanced so he can practice bhakti better. No problem. It's not that that's Maya. You're going to the doctor. <laughs> I mean, no, just chant Harinam and everything will be cured. Well, well if I have that faith, you have to have such a faith. But if you go, no, you follow my point? So we should be more realistic in our practice. Not so much idealistic, have some idea here but not knowing how to apply that in a human way. So we also have human necessities. And there's no problem of being a human. Krishna's pastimes are called Nara Lila, which means human-like pastimes. That's why we like so much Krishna, Vrindavan, because it's so similar to our human life. Of course, 
also is totally transcendental. <laughs> but there is some human aspect there. So the point is, humanity shouldn't be uh, rejected, but should be connect, should be expressed in a nice way in connection to the divine. So we should pay attention to our human side and become properly established in this world. Some devotee may say, Maharaj, I need to get married. Okay? It's not that, oh, you are in Maya. You should be stay Brahmachari. Grihastas are all attached at home there. I heard all this stuff so many times. <laughs> I, I'm almost always almost ashamed of repeating that. I mean, I, I never say that. I never had that mood. But you heard those things. Yeah. I mean, the goal of our practice is not to become sannyasi. It's to become pure devotee. So you can be grihasta, no problem. In Golok Vrindavan, you will be grihasta. My point is, I mean, you won't be Brahmachari monk in Golok Vrindavan. There are no monks there. All of them are married between themselves, gopas, gopis. <laughs> they have the house, the village, and they are attached to all that. <laughs> but in the service of Krishna. <laughs> so you can have your wife, your children, and be attached to all of that. If you see your wife as a Vaishnavi, oh, you are attached to her as a Vaishnavi. Well, that's Sadhu Sangha. You should, we should attach to the devotees. <laughs> if your house is a temple, if you think my house is a temple, as Bhakti Notakur suggested, you can become attached to your house, no problem. Because it's not your house. It's the temple. And if you are attached to your sons, your children, you feel, oh, all of these are Krishna's devotees. And Krishna sent them to me so I may serve them. You can attach to all that also. And you are advancing in bhakti. <laughs> so that's a, a dynamic understanding of Grihastha life. <laughs> and so, so for me, that, there's no problem. No? We should, I, I may call this, we should be developed in a horizontal way like in the world, we should be properly balanced, so we can project in, in vertical development, to transcend, <laughs> to go upstairs. But first we have to be horizontal development. We should develop ourselves in horizontally, in this world, properly established. You may need a house, no problem. You may need a, a car, a job, okay, to be properly balanced. Each one will be different. Do not compare with each other. Someone can sleep each night under one tree. The six Goswamis were doing that. <laughs> each night under a different tree. So they may not become attached to a particular tree. <laughs> but we cannot imitate that. So I, I won't say to you, or oh, you are in Maya because you are not sleeping every night under a different tree. Huh? That's nonsense. You are just fanatic. So base, try to be sincere. Try to be sincere with who you are now. What do you need now? 
but in a sincere way. Not, not trying to find some excuse to, to, to enjoy more than what you need. <laughs> but everyone needs some degree of this, of some type of enjoyment. <laughs> so we should like properly have the proper doses of that in the context of trying to serve Krishna. So I will try to be balanced so I can serve Krishna better. One more example. Sex life. You know, this phrase, no illicit sex. You have heard that one, no? (laughs) Yeah. So, in the moment of initiation, every devotee generally repeats this, no illicit sex. Eventually, most of them get married. And I won't ask everyone in detail, that's not my job. (laughs) But I know that generally, practically no one is only having sex for procreation. But maybe some people from their mouth out from the mouth out they say no illicit sex only for procreation. But in their in their private life they cannot follow that. But they say it. So they show oh I'm doing things properly. But that's not sincere. Of course you have not to be publicly saying if you're having sex or not. <laughs> but you have to be honest with yourself. And also, again, what's illicit sex? Prabhupada said many things. See, he, also, he said only for procreation. But he said many other things. On a higher standard and lower standard also. <laughs> to to some to, to devotee, he even said, you hear this one. To some devotee, once he said, to a couple, huh, he said, before having sex, you should ask permission to the spiritual master. <laughs> Trying to imagine the situation. Gurudev, sorry. <laughs> in some culture, like in India, they would even ask the astrologer. Yeah. To, to, if it's the right moment, because they must think it can become a child, shall we do? And mm. a child at that moment born then? Of, co- of course, if you are projecting to pro- procreation, you may try to have some adjust- adjustment. But Prabhupada said in this case, at any moment, you should ask me. So, well, you, you, I, I would think, well, maybe those devotees were really almost elevated, so they had no problem with following that instruction. But it was a particular instruction to one person, not to everyone. And to other devotees, I also heard Prabhupada saying, no illicit sex means no sex outside marriage. So there are different considerations and not universal application. Because not everyone can follow that. Once I remember, I always tell this story. Once I met one one guy, and he asked me, he saw me with these clothes, he said, what does the clothes mean? What's the meaning of these clothes? 
And I knew him a little bit from before. And I knew which was his real question. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm a monk. So there came the real question. So that means you don't have sex? You cannot have sex? I said, it's not that I cannot. I chose not to do it. But naturally, voluntarily, no pressure there from someone. That's the ideal. If you want to be a monk, okay. But you have to have some nature for that. <laughs> if not, you will go mad. And the same for Grihastha. If you have a monastic nature, do not try to get married. It won't be good. <laughs> not because of married life, but because of each nature. So I say to this, to this friend, to this guy, yes, it means I'm practicing, practicing celibacy. So his eyes open like jagannath. <laughs> no? He became like astonished. Like he, he, he was not speaking. He was like. So at one point, <laughs> when he returned, no? he was like looking in his Google in his mind. No, celibacy, celibacy, celibacy. Not not resolved funds. Not resolved funds. <laughs> So finally he asked me. I was there with Giri Maharaj, another sannyasi. <laughs> Two sannyasi. <laughs> so he asked, which, where, where, when was the last time you had sex? Because <laughs> he, was, he was not able to conceive the situation. It was too much for him. So he asked that, that it was even worse. <laughs> because... No? Gilmaras asked, what was the last time? <laughs> we say 20 years. <laughs> the answer was like that, 20 years, 15 years. <laughs> so he was like, his eye grow bigger, bigger. Than. <laughs> so he was like lost. He was in some other part. So we were in anxiety because we realized he's suffering. And after some minutes, he came back. And he said to us, Actually, in my case, I cannot pass one single day without sex. If I cannot have sex with my girlfriend, I have to go and pay some prostitute. But he was really like realizing, oh, I'm an addict, I have an addiction here. I thought it was normal. <laughs> but with the contrast with the sannyasi, it was like too much for him. <laughs> but my point is, in the case of such person, I will never say to him, become a brahmachari. <laughs> he will like... I will say to him, try to have, day, to have sex once every two days. Be because for him that will be so much, big challenge. <laughs> Do you understand? Yes. For him, that will be too much that. So each, every case is separate. This is a different universe. So we should be able to uh, approach every case in an individual way. We are individuals. Our process is individual. <laughs> if we do not take into consideration this individuality, this is a form of impersonalism. 
uh, we are so much against impersonalism. Mm. <laughs> but if we do not approach the personal necessities of each particular case, that's a form of Maya Bhatt also. So we should really understand what does it mean to be a personalist. <laughs> so many things implied there. So our human individuality is also available. So we should take care of that. That's part of our service. That's part of our service. That's not against our service. If we are sincere, that will be part of our service. It's clear the idea? Of course, many things can be said about this is a big topic, but something at least. No? It's, what, what's your name, sorry? Ragavati. Was it clear, my yes. answer? You have something to say that you raised your hand? Yes. I don't want to stop. <laughs> um, if you have some um, advices about literature, Mm. Um, two years ago I wanted to have like a women's circle mm. so that we s- try to get information mm-hmm. about uh, with Vedic, uh, Vedic way to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't really find a lot of things mm-hmm. but thanks to YouTube <laughs> yeah, I could see some Grihasta seminars, yeah. but still not so much. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some stuff. Better what we can do is later uh, you can write me or something, and I can yes. send you some links and some yes. things that can be interesting. And if someone else is interested, I can also share that. Some classes or videos on books or mm-hmm. projects also that one can know about and be inspired about all. Oh, they are doing so many nice things there. So, yes? And also, one remark I thought um, all those things that women were not allowed to do, okay, many, not all of this, but some of things we were not able to do some thousand years ago, uh, I think uh, there is always a reason behind Actually, the reason is simple. Of course, each each different case situation may be different, but in general way, for yeah, the woman at that time she was at home with the with the children. That's glorious. You will translate, Prem? No. Oh yes, I will finish quickly. No problem. Just just ending. So at that time, the social dynamics were such that generally, for example, we hear women were not allowed to study the Veda. Only men, Brahmanas, studied the Veda at that time. But actually, it's not so much like there was some prohibition. Prohibition, you say? Forbidding. It's mainly of the social dynamics of the time. At that time, women were mainly engaged at home. And basically, with children, education, you know, that's very... That's a big service. (laughs) 
not much time for something else. <laughs> Once one this lady disciple of Prabhupada said to him, <laughs> say, Gurudev, I, I cannot chant my 16 daily rounds. You know, at that time, 16 rounds were like... <laughs> he said, because... But Prabhupada said, but you have, you have one baby recently, right? Say yes. Say, oh, that's your service now. <laughs> well, so we see that he was so flexible when the situation required. This was not like. <sighs> no? So, at that time, and not only at that time, even now in many cases, of course now women dynamics change a little bit. Men also. At that time, women were mainly at home, protected, but worshipped properly. And quite engaged with the raising of their children's children. So basically they had no time to study the Veda. That's because that's why they did not study the study the Veda. <laughs> not because they are less intelligent, they cannot because they are impure or moth fallen. Someone had made up that in the middle, some immature practitioner. <laughs> but the, the the meaning is basically common sense. They did not have time, they were quite engaged in that duties, and at that time the social dynamics were like that. No? At that time women were not so much working outside. Or So again, it's a particular social dynamic of thousands of years ago. But it's not that there was some prohibition. I will share you some articles that speak about how women were really highly praised at that time. They were gurus at that time, lady gurus. And many other things. So the point is, the story is not so much as we sometimes have heard <laughs> about these things. And I'm not saying that the, our gurus have told us the wrong story, but in the middle, some other immature practitioners took things out of context and misunderstood something. With, with, without bad intention, but maybe maturely or whatever. So it's always time for updating. Yeah, of course, of course. In the present modern society, if, if we, <laughs> if we do not do not have a dynamic attitude toward this, uh, the audience will show us as like people from Neanderthal age or something, no? Mm-hmm. Huh? I only give a little example. One day, I lived here in the temple also, Gurudev gave a class, and he was, was here, and said, wow, when you live in the temple, you have to give 100%, and when you not give 100%, you have nothing to do in the temple, and he was very powerful, so no, mm-hmm. he was simply... <laughs> I cannot give 100%, so no, I didn't need. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> and after the class, I go to Kukutiv, so Kukutiv, I don't want to give the temple, but I cannot give 100%, mm-hmm. what can I do? But he said, oh no, 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 no. He said, so, so, so. This I said to, to motivate the mm-hmm. people, to, mm-hmm. so, 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 no. Say, you can, you, you give that, but you can give, and this, this is good. This is the nasty, you know. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it can be a misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. People think so. Oh, 
But in some context. In some context, in some context, yes. If you take things out of context, but when you go to them and say, Oh, I cannot do this, I cannot do that, then you say, Oh no, no. Translate this one, Prem. And we finish with this. This quote, this one line. Translate this, what I'm going to say now. I, I like one quote that says, a text without a context becomes a pretext. It's like using the same word three times. A text without context becomes a pretext. You take something out of, t- of its original environment and you present it trying to, t- to, to, to perform some other, with some other meaning. So that's many times been made. And because of that, we need proper guidance of sadhus who may help us to understand. Oh, Gurudev said this here. Oh, this is said here in the scripture. But it sounds like sexist or misogynist. No, no. Look at the context. As they say, the bigger picture in English. And there you start to understand, oh, because of this, it was this. And, and there are no contradictions. Because if you cannot solve those contradictions, your faith may be affected. And, and we shouldn't allow that. As I said before, our, sh- our faith should grow very strong. So if some conflict or contradiction appears there, we should very quickly try how to solve that. Taking proper shelter and guidance. And if we are sincere, there will be always some proper answer to our situation. Krishna will send the answer to some devotee. So we we shouldn't lose hope. Okay. That's the final idea. We shouldn't lose hope. So much hope. I will end with with, with one quote from Silasir Maharaj. Four, Four words. This is the most favorite quote of Srilasya Maharaj from Swami Maharaj. This is the quote that Swami Maharaj likes the most from Srilasya Maharaj. Very simple, but... And it says, your future is brilliant. (laughs) Nothing else to say. Your future is brilliant. Shri Bhakti Rakaksi Adev Goswami Maharaj Ki Shri Gurudev Patita Pavana Ki Shri Man Mahaprabhu Ki Shri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Shri Shri Guru Gauranga Andarvika Govinda Sundaram Ki Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Gaur Pramanam Ki